talking Calgary sports right now. Patrick Steinberg, on the air, online, and on Twitter. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. In the final few seconds will come off the clock. It was a back and forth battle. But in the season opener, the Avalanche hang on to defeat the Flames by a final score of 5 to 3. Colorado wins game one of 82, and for the 10th straight season, Calgary loses the opener. So not the start that the Flames wanted to their season, but as you heard Derek say, when you look at the Flames' record in season openers, been a decade since they've won one, but against the Avalanche, Flames couldn't come away with a win on the road. Welcome to the Steinberg Show. No Steinberg today. He'll join us at 2 o'clock. I'm Matt Rose in for Pat as Ryan is away today on this Friday, the October the 4th. We'll do Pinder and Steinberg together. Uh, and we got lots to talk about. It's a big weekend coming up. Flames, obviously. It's the home opener tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun here at the uh, Scotiabank Saddledome as we're live from the Better Basement, or pardon me, the Better Business Bureau Hot Stove Lounge. We got the Flames. Week 5 of the NFL season began yesterday. It will continue on Sunday. The MLB postseason is now in full swing. We've got a game underway with uh, the Astros and the Rays still scoreless. They're in the top of the fourth right now. Stampeders and Hitman will both play this weekend too. Danny Austin of Post Media is going to join me in the second segment. We're going to talk home stretch for Calgary as the playoffs draw closer. They're headed to the playoffs. The Grey Cubs here in Calgary. The tickets are out. Uh, this is going to be a good team playing in this great cup, whether it's Calgary, whether it's Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Winnipeg, whoever it ends up being coming out of the West, there's going to be a good team playing in the great cup for sure. Now to East, hey, it's looking like it's probably going to be Montreal, Hamilton, and Edmonton if Edmonton can get one more win. So that's going to be a lot of fun once November rolls around. Um We'll have to see what happens this weekend. The Stamps will face the Alouettes tomorrow afternoon. we got one game tonight uh, featuring the Ticats and the Eskimos. But before we get to all that, first, a few takeaways from myself on the Flames' 5-3 loss in the hands of the Avalanche last night. Obviously, the big one, you took way too many penalties. And, yeah, I felt like a couple were kind of ticky-tack. Mika Rantanen going down pretty easy for a big guy a couple times. But you still got to get that number down. Six times the Flames were shorthanded. The Avalanche cashed in twice. They scored a third right as Shillington came out of the box. So basically they went three for six. And with that unit for the Avalanche, with McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog, now they got Caudry, Kale McCarr quarterbacking it. All five of them played over six minutes on the power play yesterday, and you just can't let that happen. It's way too much. And it's also too much time for 13 and 23 to be on the bench for Calgary, and way too much penalty killing for Lindholm. So that splits up that line at even strength. That's not ideal. You get some guys down the lineup like Zarnik and Manjapani who don't kill penalties, who takes forever for them just to get a couple of shifts in. Made it hard for the team to get rid of and that was something that Bill Peters talked about yesterday. So obviously the penalties were an issue in Game 1. David Riddick was outstanding. I liked his demeanor in net. What a save on the first penalty kill with that scorpion kick. And during the broadcast, Ryan Leslie of Sportsnet was saying that Riddick went a month doing four hours of workouts a day for five days a week to get ready for this season. He has aspirations of starting in 60-plus games. And if you get more of those efforts from yesterday, hey, that number's not out of the question. I don't think it would be ideal for the Flames necessarily, especially if Talbot is able to give you some solid play down the road here. But the start from David Reddick was certainly encouraging. As for the top line, I thought Johnny Gaudreau really turned it on in the third, skated 
20 minutes and 20 seconds total. Uh, the highest amount came in the third period, 7 minutes and 26 seconds of ice time. The Flames pressed, but they just could not find the back of the net. Saw the same chemistry between him and Monaghan, especially on the power play. Gaudreau getting the primary assist on Monaghan's tally. Monaghan getting the primary on Johnny's goal. But a lot of different looks for them with Lindholm killing penalties all night. Saw him with Lucic a little bit. Um, but that's probably not ideal if you're heading down the season. On the back end, Giordano, he was a rock. The 36-year-old, two points, including a goal just moments after the Avalanche had scored, which kind of helped sway the momentum and keep that game within reach. And that was on his birthday. Doesn't look like he's missed a step. He played with Brody for most of the night. Uh, but as time was winding down in the third period, they did put Anderson, Rasmus Anderson, out with Gio on that uh, top pair to try and spark a little bit of offense. I really liked Hamannick and Hannafin. I think that Hannafin's going to have a good year. You can tell that he wants to play up the ice with a little bit more offense this year. He could be set for a big year on that second pair uh, after a full season beside Travis Hamannick, getting a little bit more comfortable. We know what Hamannick brings to the table. He's sturdy. He's a shutdown type of guy in his own end. So maybe gives Hannafin a little bit more flexibility to use some of those tools that he has. He's got good puck handling. He's got great speed, good vision. Uh, so we'll see what happens with 55 as this season moves forward. The newcomer, Milan Lucic, went after Nikita Zadorov. Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more in the 2 o'clock hour. He just spoke to the media, had a really good chat with the media as well. Uh, he went after Nikita Zadorov after a pretty big hit on Austin Zarnik. Ends up with the instigator penalty. Got a good pop in on Zadorov. Got his money's worth. Um, but even big 16 on the avalanche, Zadorov, he didn't even want any part of Lucic. And if I look back at last season, and that's happening again, where Zadorov and Zarnik are going into a corner, Zadorov appears to let up chasing the puck so he can lay a hit on the much smaller Zarnik. Who is going to be the guy to go up and, you know, throw a, throw a punch in Zadorov's face? And this year, that's what you have Lucic for. So we'll hear from him once the 2 o'clock uh, bell rings. So those are some of my takeaways from last night's 5-3 loss to the Colorado Avalanche. It wasn't a masterpiece, to say the least, but it was a penalty-filled game. And when it's like that, it's hard to get into a rhythm. So we'll have to see if the team decides to jumble up their lines, if they feel like they've had enough vision of kind of seeing what they liked at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, listening to Bill Peters yesterday night, he did say that as the game went on and they were able to get some consistency and some rhythm at 5-on-5 five five that he really liked what his team was able to do. So we'll see if they do shuffle anything ahead of their home opener against the Vancouver Canucks uh, tomorrow night. Listening to some of the players post-game, they were happy with what they could do at 5-on-5-2, five five especially in the third Staying out of the box is going to be a key. So, uh, like I said, the next tilt for them will be Saturday night, the nightcap on Hockey Night in Canada. It'll be the Vancouver Canucks coming to town. And uh, you can always give your thoughts to us as well on last night's game on the Glenmore Audi fan feedback line at 960-960. It's brought to you by Glenmore Audi. It's time to fall for Audi. Get savings for up to $6,500 with lease and finance rates starting at just 1.9%. You can visit Glenmore Audi. Dot com And uh, I'm Matt Rose hosting the Steinberg Show. Logan Gordon is uh, back at home control in the uh, Basement Systems downtown studio. And, Logan, what did, what did you take away from uh, last night's season opener for the Calgary Flames? I thought Colorado was just overall the better team last night. And um, I think you, you nailed it as far as, you know, the penalties. I, I didn't agree with all of them either. But the fact of the matter is if the game's going to be called that tight, then – 
the team has to be able to adjust to that, and and you you can't let McKinnon rant like they're good enough five on five, let alone letting them sit there and you know take ten minutes of power play time and pepper Riddich like that. It's just you're not going to be able to win games like that. I don't think it's the end of the world for the Flames. It was the first game. If it's a consistent problem, then it, you know you're talking about something different. But I think you know even if the Flames take two or three less penalties in that game. It's probably a lot closer for them. I I still mm-hmm. think Colorado was the better team. So, you know what? It's you know it's one game. Colorado's supposed to be a pretty good team. You didn't get blown out, but you weren't great either. So, could be worse. Could be better. Yeah, and the penalties early on in the game really kind of upset the flow of things. No one had a chance to get on. into anything. Your, yeah, exactly. Your penalty killers were out there half the time, and when your best penalty killers Lindholm. That means, you know, and we saw the. I didn't like the whole Lucic going out with Gaudreau and Monaghan when Lindholm's finishing, you know, resting after a penalty kill. But, you know, then your first line's separated for more time. It just doesn't work well for you to do that. No, it really doesn't. Uh, the Flames will take on the Canucks tomorrow night. They just got off the ice for an optional skate today. Uh, we got plenty more going on this weekend. Week 5 of the NFL season is going to go tomorrow. Didn't get to catch a ton of last night's uh, week opener as the Seahawks beat the Rams 30-29. to The Seahawks are now 4-1 and on the season. They lead the NFC West and that division, pretty highly contested because the Rams also in that division. They're now 3-2, and two, while the 49ers are 3-0, and oh, and they're coming out of a bye. They're going to face the 2-2 two and two Browns on Monday night football in San Francisco. So that's going to be a fun game as well as uh, we look forward to a little bit more of the uh, playoff action for sure. Uh, tough way to lose for the Rams. They've now lost two straight in less than a week. They fell 55-40 to 40 to the Buccaneers at home last week. Um, they lose because the usually reliable Greg Zerline misses a game-winning field goal just off to the right from 47 yards out. Extra tough scene as the offense kind of took a step forward for L.A. Todd Gurley, 19 rushes, including 50 ca- 15 carries for 51 yards with a couple of scores. Did lose a fumble as well. Gerald Everett, best game as a pro so far. He and Cooper Cup both went over 100 yards receiving with Cup catching a touchdown as well. So that's a tough loss for the Rams. But for the Seahawks, this is a huge victory. The Rams have been the cream of the crop for that division for the last couple of years and kind of reading some stories uh, from some of the beat writers postgame. They were talking about how the Seahawks really needed this because they see the Rams that cream of the crop. They won the division two straight years. They won the conference last year. For them to knock them off, and they hadn't lost in Seattle either. Sean McVay was 2-0 in Seattle up until this point. So that's a big win for Seattle in just that sense alone. Obviously helps when Russell Wilson is on his game, which he absolutely was last night. He goes 17 for 23 with 268 yards through the air and four touchdown passes. So he wasn't throwing the ball a ton, but almost 25 of his completion, 25% of his completions yesterday ended up in a touchdown. So that's crazy efficient. He was moving out of the pocket. He was hitting guys downfield. It was by no means the conservative-type game from Russell Wilson. And running back Chris Carson was good. He had on, had a 100 yards on the ground once again and didn't fumble for the second straight week, which was a bit of a problem for him 
earlier on in the season. So all signs of the Seahawks offense, nothing to be trifled with after five games. That's a big win for them. That Monday night game, very interesting for the NFC West too, but we'll discuss this one a little bit later on with Jason Lacanfora at 3 o'clock and also look ahead to the rest of week five. From the MLB postseason, we got baseball on all day today. Right now it's the Rays in Houston facing the Astros, game one of their series. You can watch it on Sportsnet. Bottom four, Tyler Glasnow still on the mound. He's been great in his last three road or all four of his road starts this year. He's been great in his last three starts in the regular season. And right now he's holding a Astros lineup to no earned runs through three and a third innings of work. Last night we saw the Dodgers beat the Nationals six to nothing. This is also game one of the uh, Rays and Astros. Should mention that uh, last night the Dodgers beat the Nationals six nothing. Dodgers scored a couple runs off Nationals starter Patrick Corbin. Then they racked up four runs in the final two innings to really put the nail in the coffin. It's going to be tough for the Nationals bullpen to go up against that nasty Dodgers lineup that hit 237 home runs over the course of the season. But none of them left the park with as much velocity as Jock Peterson's last night. 114.9 mile per hour exit velocity. If the Dodgers' bats are just starting to hit their stride in the postseason, look out National League. They play the late game tonight. Great pitching matchup. Steven Strasburg will face Clayton Kershaw. First pitch for that one will go at 7.30. It'll be on Sportsnet. The other game last night saw the Cardinals sneak by the Braves. 7-6 on the road in their series opener. Cards scored four runs in the top of the ninth to break a 3-3 tie. The Braves scored three in the bottom of the ninth, but they would uh, lose this one. They get going for game two from Atlanta just after 2.30. It'll be 23-year-old Jack Flaherty starting his uh, first postseason game for St. Louis. Mike fulton gets the ball for the Braves, making his third postseason start. That'll also be on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. Twins and Yankees also get underway today just after 5. James Paxton will get the ball for New York. Jose Barrios will make his first postseason start for Minnesota. That one from New York. And Sportsnet West and Sportsnet 1 will carry all of them. And the final thing I wanted to hit on here as we get the Steinberg show going is the Calgary Hitmen. They'll play one game this weekend. They won three games and three nights last weekend, putting them at the top of their division, just four games in, three wins and an overtime loss for seven points. They play Sunday against the Portland Winterhawks at home, a Winterhawks team that is three and oh. But they'll play the Lethbridge Hurricanes tonight before the game on Sunday. No Joachim Blickfield or Cody Glass for the Winterhawks this year. Rookie Simon Knack is leading their team in scoring seven points in three games. And for the Hitmen, they'll have Mark Kastelik back in the lineup. The 20-year-old was returned to the club by the Senators this past week. And I actually uh, had a chance to catch up with Mark. And we talked about this crazy summer that he's experienced before coming back to Hitman camp. All right, Mark. Well, uh, quite the off-season that you've had. I was wondering if you could take me back. Uh, obviously, the end of the playoffs, not what you guys wanted with the sweep to the Oil Kings, but what were the next couple months like for you heading up to the NHL draft? Uh, after after playoffs was over, I think I just kind of took a couple of days off to kind of regroup and then slowly just got back into the swing of training. And up until the draft, that was pretty much the bulk of my summer was just trying to uh, improve as much as I could in the weight room and off the ice and then just leading to the draft just trying to Stay level-headed and kind of prepare for the season as well So you were taken in the fifth round by the Ottawa centers Were you able to stay level-headed as it all went down or how did that go for you? Um, it was pretty good. I I mean, I wasn't too sure what to expect on draft day. I was just kind of watching uh, this, uh, the second day day two with my parents in the living room and I mean, it was a pretty kind of exciting moment when I saw my name come up on the TV there and uh, my parents and everybody in my family were so happy for me and 
it was just a great moment and something I'll cherish forever. Was it pretty cool to see your teammate Carson Folk taken quite close to you as well? Yeah, it was awesome. He's a great player and he's put in so much work over the past year um, to get where he is now. And it was a great moment for him. I was super stoked for him. Now uh, he's got a little bit of a lead for you as he came back a little bit early. Is that something you're thinking about as far as the points on the Hitman go? Not really. I'm just excited that he was able to kind of lead the boys this weekend and help them get wins. So now I'm just ready to get back in there and do the same. How was uh, camp with the Senators for yourself? It was great. It was a great experience. Just both on and off the ice, I've learned so much. And I think it's going to help me immensely coming back here this year. And um, I mean, I met a lot of great people as well and just a lot of stuff to take back with me this upcoming season. You look at that farm system for Ottawa and there's a lot of talent there. Were you able to maybe start getting some connections with some of those guys who are going to be trying to come up the ranks with you? Yeah, I definitely felt comfortable, especially in Belleville. I mean, there's a lot of guys my age and we had a lot of good time off the ice. And on the ice, I had some chemistry with some guys and it was just a, it was a real fun uh, time to get a couple of exhibition games as well and kind of just get a little bit of taste of pro. And I'm really looking forward to kind of making the next step after this season. Are there some things that the Senators kind of left with you to work on this year? Yeah, there's some stuff, but it's kind of personal. But, I mean, they definitely are going to be keeping a close eye on me this year, and I'm really thankful for that as well, and they're giving me a lot of resources to be successful. 47 goals last year. You helped this team make it to the second round of the playoffs. What are some goals for you this year with the Calgary Hetman? Um, I mean, just mostly team goals, obviously. I mean, we have a very capable group in that room, so the main goal is to win a championship. and. This is going to be a really exciting year, and I think everybody is really dialed in and focused on contributing to achieve that goal and then just kind of just continue to improve every area of my games. I mean, just to come back here, it's a great opportunity for me, and I'm really looking forward to kind of polishing up some areas of my offensive game and just kind of touching up everywhere. Now uh, you're heading into this weekend, just the one game this weekend against Portland. How's the week of practice been for you with the Hitmen, and what are you looking forward to against this Winterhawks team? It's been a good week so far. I mean, it's nice to just be back at the Saddle Dome here for the first practice this week. I mean, we were at the other rink for two skates, but it's just nice to be back in this atmosphere, and I'm looking forward to just getting on that ice again and kind of polishing up uh, some areas of our team game, like power play, and kind of just getting back into the swing and learning some of the systems that I've kind of been missing out on for the last couple of weeks so I'm just really looking forward to Portland as well they're going to be a good team but I think we're all excited for the, the matchup thanks a lot Mark thank you there you go that's Mark Kastelik the uh, captain for the Calgary Hitman 47 goals last season was drafted by the Senators in the fifth round and it's got some lost ground to catch up on for the uh, Hitman point league Carson Folk has got off to a great start he's got seven points in three games so um, we'll have to see if Castle can catch up pretty quick after uh, falling a little behind while he was at Senators camp. The Hitmen will face the Winterhawks at 2 o'clock on Sunday for another edition of Sunday Funday. They do the skate after the game uh, where like you can bring your family on the ice and skate with some of the players after the contest. That should be a, a fun game as well. Just the one game for the Hitmen this weekend after they played three last weekend. As I mentioned before the interview, the Winterhawks actually played the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Uh, no pregame for that one. No postgame as it's all kind of in the middle of NFL Sunday. But we will have the broadcast right here on Sportsnet 960. Jeff Hollick and Ryan, call, Ryan Pike are going to have the call 
and I'll be hosting the intermissions for you as well. Brad Curl is expected to be back uh, quite shortly here as we get ready for the Hitman to really get right up into the regular season. We got another sports talk with the guys coming up for you. Uh, Sportsnet 960, the fan. We're always seeking listener feedback. Join us on Wednesday, October the 30th, right before Halloween, at the Wild Rose Brewery Tap Room for either session. We're doing one at 6, we're doing one at 7.30. You can enter for a spot at 960-960 on the text line or at sportsnet.ca slash 960 by uh, texting panel to our text line. That'll get you entered, and our winners will be selected throughout this contest period. It's, of course, made possible by the great people at Wild Rose Brewery, brewing quality craft beer in Calgary that fuels the hardworking Albertan Wild Rose Brewery branded with character. Haven't been down myself in a little bit, but uh, October 30th probably going to be my next trip. Maybe get down there a little bit earlier, too. If uh, well, if we can make it work, we'll see. But uh, always good to uh, hang with the guys down at Wild Rose. All right, around the corner, Danny Austin's going to join us shortly. Uh, he's just doing the media availability with the Stampeders players as they have arrived in Montreal for their game tomorrow night. So we'll see what the Stampeders are kind of talking about ahead of this contest with Montreal. Montreal, of course, won here in Week 10, 40 to 34. So we'll uh, get the lowdown on the Stamps as they try and steal a victory on the road against uh, Montreal tomorrow afternoon. That'll be as we continue on the Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House, right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Steinberg Show continues right now, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. Steinberg drives a VW from Fifth Avenue, so should you. See them today on Meridian Road, just east of Barlow Trail, and south of 16th Avenue Northeast. Patrick Steinberg is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're back on the Pat Steinberg Show live from the Better Business Bureau basement or uh, hot stove lounge here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. We will be here for the hockey game tomorrow. It'll be the Oilers and the Flames. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to hook up with Danny Austin and Post Media to talk a little bit of stamps shortly, but he's doing a little bit of media stuff right now. Um, so we're going to reset. We're going to do a little bit of shuffle. We're going to do three burning questions. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Alrighty, Logan Gordon's back running the board today. What you got, Logan? Let's start with the Flames and the Avalanche last night, Maddie. Uh, a loss for the Flames, but some good moments mixed in there. Uh, who was your most impressive Flame and your least impressive Flame from last night? Well, uh, I'll start with David Riddick for the most impressive for myself. Now, he did allow four goals, but I'm going to give him a break for most of them. The first one was on the second penalty in the first five minutes after the after he had already made an incredible save on the first penalty of the night. The second goal should have been blown dead. It's a great goal by Miko Rantanen to put it in a teacup on the backhand, but should have been blown dead on the high stick by Gabriel Landeskog in the neutral zone. Matt's Calvert goal was right after Shillington came out of the box, so really that's another one shorthanded. And Rantanen, another tally on yet another power play. He stopped five of seven shots on the penalty kill. He made 28 of 32 saves all night. Not a banner night, but I think that he impressed in the season debut. As far as players who I maybe wasn't as enamored with, 
I really didn't like either of the penalties that Michael Froelich took. I thought that was uh, really not good as far as putting him in the putting him in the hole early. Shillington was fine. Uh, didn't notice Manjapani much, but he didn't play a whole lot with the game script either. So um, probably one of those three. Fair enough. Uh, and we'll move on to football for the next one. Okay. Uh, full slate on Sunday of NFL games. Where are you going to be? Uh, not where are you going to be watching, but uh, what game specifically <laughs> on Sunday uh, has caught your attention? Um, there's a couple. I Cards, think in the Bengals. first set. I think no, definitely not. Bears Raiders. Um, yeah. Okay. Oakland Bears is the big one for me, especially <laughs> in the early set. You got the return of Khalil Mack, and I think he's going to feast, and it's going to be glorious and fun to watch. Uh, I'd be more intrigued by the Bills-Titans if Allen was playing, but he's still in concussion protocol. The last three meetings between them have been decided by just a point, and both teams have been pretty good this season. Maybe the Jaguars and Panthers just to watch Gardner Minshew run away from Panthers for a few hours. Um, but the best one for my money on Sunday is going to be in the afternoon set with the Cowboys facing the Packers, a couple of 3-1 and one teams battling it out. Sunday night with the Chiefs and Colts could be fun. We'll see what hmm. Jacoby Brissett can bring to the table. And then Monday night, you got the Browns and 49ers. This one is either going to be a great game or it's going to be an absolute dud 10 to week five. But uh, I'd probably say Oakland Bears just to watch Khalil Mack feast and also um, Cowboys Packers in the afternoon. Yeah, the, what do you think about a side question? What do you think about the Browns mm. getting all these primetime games? A little too early for that still for you? I mean, it feels like they've been on um, a lot. Well, there was a lot of hype in the offseason, right? Yeah. So I don't I don't blame them. I understand it. I think that the NFL is probably like, wow, thank you, Cleveland. Thank you for being so mediocre, and we have you in all of these great slots. Like, come on, pick up your socks. And uh, last one for you. I'm going to stick with the uh, NFL because there's one okay. matchup in there that uh, we didn't mention, but it kind of it's not necessarily about the game, but more about who's going to be starting at quarterback for one of these teams. On the morning slate of games, the Patriots are in Washington mm. to take on the Redskins. Uh, Patri- uh, the line right now at uh, 15 and a half on that Yuck. game, and it was announced today that the Redskins are going to be starting Colt McCoy at quarterback over their highly touted rookie prospect, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, now, they've obviously been off to a rough start this season. They're without Alex Smith, who would be their you know starting quarterback over Case Keenum. They're 0-4 on the season. The Patriots are obviously a powerhouse. But do you think it's the right decision to keep sitting Haskins and go with someone who's really never yes. had success with, like Cole McCoy? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Listen, I understand that you're still trying to fight for your job here, but putting Dwayne Haskins in there to get eaten alive by arguably the league's best defense, the New England Patriots, is a really bad idea. Don't let this guy get absolutely crushed and just have the worst experience ever in his first NFL game. You're not going to win this game. You're not. Now, okay. Case Keenum has been absolutely terrible, and you don't know what you're getting from Colt McCoy, but, yeah, I I would not put Dwayne Haskins in yet. I, th- I think that, you know, at some point this season, you got to give him the ball. But I'm not saying, hey, go make your debut against this Patriots team and Bill Belichick. There is no chance that I would be on board for that. So, and then the back half of that one, I bring it up too because it's interesting. Next weekend, the Redskins are in Miami to take on the Dolphins. That may be a better Perfect. spot for that. Perfect. Perfect. There you go. Yeah, exactly. No, don't put them in this week. That's that's a bad idea. Hey, Colt, you uh, you can handle this one, right? Yeah, uh, I know you're just coming off of an injury, but. Yeah, yeah, best of luck, I guess. Yeah, there you go, Maddie. Those are your three burning on a Friday. 
Awesome. Thank you, buddy. I uh, really appreciate it. We will take a break. We're hoping to catch up with Danny Austin for just a couple quick questions before we hit 2 o'clock. Then it'll be Pinder and Steinberg. Patty's going to uh, play Ryan Pinder today. And we're going to talk about the Flames. We're going to talk some NFL. We're going to talk some CFL. we got lots to talk about. If Patty's uh, playing Pinder, Pinder does that mean he's going to say Leon Dreisaitl or Dreisaitl? I don't know, man. I really don't Will he know. talk about salary cap implications and tax implications? We'll see. <laughs> I like it's up in the air right now. D- doubtful, doubtful. But we uh, we'll have to see. You'll Fair. have to you'll have to stick to I'll past two yeah. o'clock to find out. <laughs> okay, we'll take a break. Uh, you are listening to the Steinberg Show. We're brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. Uh, the great people over at Fifth Avenue Auto House always bring you this program. It goes from one to two every afternoon, and uh, we'll be back with more. Sports at 960, The Fan. Back to The Steinberg Show. Brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Calgary. All righty. We are back wrapping up The Steinberg Show. Matt Rose along with you. Steinberg uh, will join us in 5-10 minutes time to uh, talk a little bit about the Flames last night as they get set for their home opener tomorrow. We'll have plenty of talk on the show. We got Jason Lack and Florida coming up. We got Steve Rapp for all your gambling hits. We'll do two locks and a dog, the Flames Roundtable. And uh, Sat Shaw is going to join us in the 2 o'clock hour to talk a little bit of Vancouver Canucks as well. He works for Sportsnet 650 out in Vancouver. I uh, want to let you know before we chat to Danny Austin, Pinder and Steinberg going to be live at Adrenaline Source for Sports. Uh, this one coming up a little bit later on in the month. Um, but the guy's always out on location, and uh, that should be a fun time as well. And we now head down the uh, guest hotline to talk to your good buddy Danny Austin. He is in Montreal. Just finished talking with the Calgary Stampeders as they get set to face the Owls tomorrow. Danny, how's Montreal treating you? Oh, man, this city's terrible. Not a, fan, Not a good time at all. Not a good time at all. Um, what have you <laughs> gleaned from your conversations with the Stampeders over this week? Because this matchup is an intriguing one. It's the Stamps will face the Alouettes tomorrow. The Alouettes stole a game from Stampeders, depending on which player you talk to, uh, back in Week 10. There was some pregame beef. There was some nastiness during the game. What do you think we're going to see here between these two clubs, based on what you've heard from some of the players over the course of the week? I mean, I think that the coaches from day one of practice week have been emphasizing that they're not allowed to fight again. No punches thrown before the game. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, this one's going to be a physical football game. Uh, these two teams do not like each other. Uh, the Stampeders have been much more vocal about that than the Alouettes were this morning. The Alouettes, uh, I think in part because they've gotten into some other trouble this year, particularly Brent Adams Jr., were a little bit sort of resistant to the idea that this was a uh, a game where there was a ton of beef. But uh they are lying because there's a lot of beef and the Stampeders, uh, more so than any time in my kind of time covering uh, the Stampeders team, they have been very open about not liking these guys. And uh, they, they don't like the way that game went. They don't like what happened before the game and uh, they're out for revenge. Stamps have only won one of their last five trips to Montreal. To you, do you see it as more of a coincidence or is there just something about that lone visit to Montreal every year that gives this team trouble? 
Um, there has to be more to it. There's just no way. Um, I, I was reading the CFL sends out these notes, sort of, you know, information you can use as reporters. And apparently if, uh, the stamp, if the Alouettes win tomorrow, they are the only team in the last five years with a 500 record It is worth noting that the Alouettes have generally been terrible and the Stampeders have been really, really good over those five years. Um, so th- there's something about Montreal. There's something, whether it's the city, whether it's, I can't imagine it's a stadium. Potentially it's the time zone, but they do pretty well in Ottawa and Toronto. Um, it, it, it's hard to put your finger on what it is. Um, I don't think there's a there's this sort of idea that the guys get here and they go out and they party the night before the game. Um, I, I dismiss that. I don't believe it. I've talked to lots of guys quietly off the record, and they say that's just not the case. But there is something. Uh, the stadium, even when they won last year, the, the, it was ugly. The Stampeders did not play well. They should have crushed that team. So there's something about Montreal. There's something about uh, Percival. Molson Stadium. Um, I can't tell you what it is, but there is something. It's not a coincidence. And uh, as well, I wanted to ask you about this contest. What do you see being the keys to victory for the Stampeders? As Vernon Adams Jr. will be coming off that suspension, and Stamps have won four straight games. Yeah, and they've, I mean, it's not a coincidence that those games have been since Bolivar Mitchell's been back, obviously. He's, he's come yeah. back, and uh, I don't know that he's lit the world on fire, but he does all those little things that just extend drives, you know. Um, he, he doesn't take many sacks. All of that has been huge, and I do think that he makes a difference um, in this game versus Nick Arbuckle. No disrespect to Arbuckle, uh, but honestly, I mean, I think the thing with Vernon Adams is he just, he, he runs, he, he's not afraid to throw the ball, so um, that, in my opinion, plays into the Stampeders' strengths a little bit. They want teams thrown because they have so many playmakers in the defensive backfield. The big question for me is going to be, ultimately, we found out Corey Greenwood is likely done for the rest of the season. So, uh, Winston McManus is in at middle linebacker, Nate Hawley's in at the weak side spot, and they've got to stop the run. And that's both Vernon Adams Jr. and uh, William Standback, who, who might just be the most effective running back in the league right now. So, um, you know, I, I think that the St. Peter's can score, score on this Alouette's team. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, stopping the run and, and hopefully for, forcing a couple turnovers. Danny Austin of Post Media. He's in Montreal for the Stamps and Alouettes tomorrow afternoon. And you just mentioned Corey Greenwood heading for a stint on the six-game injured list. Moved from the one game to the six-game uh, this week. Not a good sign, obviously. Unlikely that he's able to return for the season as he's been dealing with some stingers. But, you know, it's kind of up in the air with him right now. But what was your reaction to the Stamps losing the league's leading tackler? And what's next for them at linebacker? I mean, you can't really overemphasize how big a deal it is. I know they've got this next man up philosophy, but when the guy you're losing is leading the league in tackles, and uh, that, that's that's just hard to do. Uh, they did bring in Marcus Ball, who I imagine we're going to see a lot of uh, over the last month of the regular season. Um, ultimately, I think it's a loss. I mean, I think that it, it, it is now, uh, if not a weak spot, it, it's not as strong as it once was. Uh, Corey Greenwood, I mean, not that he made us forget about Alex Singleton, but uh, a spot where we thought it was probably going to be a bit of an issue. He made up for it. Um, we're going to have to see. Winston McManus didn't look bad uh, at middle linebacker last game, but that was, that was against the Toronto Argonauts, and there were much bigger challenges ahead. So um, it is going to be the big question mark, in my opinion, between now and the end of the season, um, whether it's Ball, whether it's McManus. One of those guys is going to need to step up um, and, and you know be a rock. They can't just be good. They have to be great at that middle linebacker position. Now, that wasn't one of the changes to the actual roster for the Stampeders with Greenwood going from the one game to the six game, but they still did make seven changes. Reggie Bagleton returning is a big one, um, but anything else of those seven really catch your eye for significance heading into this contest? I mean, you said it. Bagleton is, is obviously the, the big one. He's 
possibly the best receiver in the league and they're getting him back. That's, um, that's, that's a big thing. I mean, I did, um, I was surprised to see uh, Klukas get, get dropped. Um, I, I don't know that Michael Klukas has been terrific this year, but I do think that he's in general been um, quite good. That means uh, Hergie Mayala is going to be the go-to the Canadian wide receiver spot. You've got Richardson Danny back, and I, I think that that's another really big addition. Uh, that slot back spot, having the Canadian who can catch the ball. I know people have been down on Sandani, but he's really um, exceeded my expectations. So those are the big ones. Um, you know, the offensive line, there's, there's a change there, but I don't know we need to talk about it because it's a backup. Uh, ultimately, this is just a team that looks a little bit different right now. But um, the really, really key positions, I, I think other than Greenwood, it, it, the changes are positive. Well, enjoy Montreal, my friend. Uh, tomorrow should be a doozy to uh, get the uh, the day going for the CFL weekend. But uh, enjoy this one, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, buddy. Cheers. There you go. That's Danny Austin. Uh, he's in Montreal covering the Stamps and the Alouettes. That game will be tomorrow. A big one for both clubs. The Alouettes can uh, clinch a home playoff game if they win whereas the Stamps just looking to create a little bit of separation between themselves, the Blue Bombers, and also the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, he joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery, 403-248-3344, and at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Also, got to let you know, this one backed by popular de- demand. It's the iconic moment of the game. Great moments in Flames history during every home and away game. So you listen during the pregame show. Pat will announce the trivia question. And if you know the answer, text it along with the word iconic moment to 960-960. Then you tune in the next morning. Boomer will announce the answer and the name of one qualifier. Then at the end of the season, one lucky listener will win a trip to the NHL awards, including airfare for two plus $600 spending cash. And it's brought to you by Iconic Electric and Controls promoting a culture of quality since 2008. Visit IconicEC.ca. Pinder and Steinberg coming up next. Pat's going to join the program. We're going to talk some flames right here. Sports at 960 The Fan.